0: We are going to be in Jonah chapter 1, John chapter 16, 2 Timothy chapter 4, as we continue our five-part series on glorifying God together through life. Glorifying God together through life. And we took a little commercial break where uh, Pastor Pat was able to share with us what it means to glorify God in a practical way. And now we're going to complete that with the letter E. If you remember, L was learning the word. I was investing into relationships. F was following the way of Christ. And now tonight, E is engaging our world. So engaging your world. Once again, Jonah chapter 1, John 16, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, If you... We're not at Song of Solomon on Sunday night. You missed a good one. That's all I can say. Um, What I love about is we've got about 200 people that are watching online doing a little date night at home. Um, Great idea. Great idea. Uh, Let me encourage you. We have started Sunday nights uh, for you to come and be a part of that. Once again, Jonah chapter 1. Uh, John 16, 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that as we take the time to study your word, that you would give us the insight that we need by the power of your spirit to do what you've called us to do. Thank you for once again those that have gathered here on a Thursday night, and I pray that you would use this time tonight to change our perspective Motivate us, encourage, and inspire us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Learning the word, we can do that. Come to church, sit in a pew, you get to gain some knowledge. Investing in relationships, I mean, it just feels good. Someone walks up to you and say, hey, love you, and you say, love you back, and All of a sudden, you just feel great about yourself. Following the way of Christ, getting a little edgy here, okay? Turn the other cheek. Forgive as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. But the letter E, engage your world with the gospel. Why does it seem like the letter E is the most difficult to accomplish? Number one, if you're taking note, we have a task to complete. And I want you to hear the instruction in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 21. You'll see it on the screen. John's Gospel, chapter 20. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has, say this with me, sent me, I also send you. Do you hear the instruction? You see, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. You see, there is a task to complete. Even the psalmist would proclaim in Psalm chapter 67, verse 3 and 4. Listen to this. He says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all, not some, let all. All the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad. Not just some of the nations. All the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Or stop and think about this. Take a look at Psalm chapter 96. Psalm chapter 96. Say among the nations. Not just some of the nations. All of them. The Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. You see, the fact of the matter of the, of the church is that it exists from God's perspective of every tribe, tongue, and nation, not just Israelis. Amen. So when Jesus invested this truth into the disciples, they took it seriously to engage not just Israel. Not just Judah, but the end of the world because God has a desire for every tribe, tongue, and nation to glorify him. That's why the Bible says in Psalms, let the nations be glad. Now we bring glory to God when we engage our world. It's Romans chapter 4. Take a look on the screen. He did not waver at the promise of God, speaking of Abraham, through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Speaking about this incredible act where Abraham, at the age of umpteen hundred, and Sarah, who was way past menopause, he had to take a step of faith and believe God. Now, you better believe that he was nervous. Even Sarah laughed. But he did it. Take a look at this scripture. John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And there's nothing more wonderful when we take a step of faith to engage our world and I get to get the email. Pastor Chet. you'll never believe it. I told someone about Jesus at work today and they got saved by me. I couldn't believe it. Well, and then I'll email back. Well, first of all, it's not by you. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen? Yes. And the Spirit of God is in each one of us and given us the task to preach the gospel and make disciples. In other words, we bring people from all nations to faith. And that is how God is glorified. Because the redeemed exist in every tribe, tongue, and nation. So my question, why are we so afraid of the E engaging our world with the gospel? I mean, with this kind of instruction, as the Father sent me, so I send you. How is it that a whole year can go by and I've never shared my faith? Okay, let the guilt trip fly at this point. No, 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 no. It's an honest question. There's no guilt about it. Think of the direction as the Father sent me, so I send you. How is it a year can go by? I'm good with the L. I'm good with the I. I'm good with the F. But when it comes to the E, I mean, I'm a good, loving husband. I'm a respectful wife. I'm an honoring husband. I, I, I read my Bible all of the time. I'm learning the word. I'm purposing to follow the way of Christ. I'm investing into relationships. I'm a good person. But am I a gospel person? Am I a gospel person? And what is it about sharing my faith in this culture that we're so challenged by? Well, there's a whole book about us in the Old Testament. His name is Jonah. Turn there with me, if you would. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, just like the word of the Lord came to us. As the Father sent me, so I... Did you hear the word of the Lord? No, wait, wait, wait. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And look what he's about to tell Jonah in the same way that God just told us. Don't read a book. Hear the conversation. Get a text message from God. As the Father sent me, so I send... No, not me. Us. Amen? Because that's some of the problem. We think the professional pastor is supposed to do it. If I bring him to church, you bring, give him the gospel. Why can't you give him the gospel? You probably do it better than me. I mean, I've got a squeaky voice, and every once in a while, I mean, can you imagine having to listen to me? Oh, that's right, you do, twice a week. Three times, if you come to Song of Solomon. But it wasn't just a problem in our culture. Arise, the word of the Lord said, Go to Nineveh. As the Father sent me, so I send you. That great city and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Stop there. You know the story. Assyria was evil. It was the most barbaric culture of its time. I don't know if you know this about the Assyrian culture. They invented torture. They invented the crucifixion. The Romans perfected it. There was more immorality in Nineveh than there is in Amsterdam, in Las Vegas. It was the most immoral place of its times. In the book of Nahum, Nahum describes the amount of evil and immorality that happened in Assyria. They weren't just evil. But they had already started deporting Israelis in the northern kingdom to Assyria. They've been doing this for about 20 years before they invaded and took over the northern kingdom. This would be like Jonah leaving the loving community of Carson and God saying to him, I want you to go to Tehran and tell everyone about the gospel. Me? You want me to go to Iran? There's our problem. You see, I'm afraid to engage our world because if I did make a practice of this, God might send me somewhere. He already has. As the Father sent me, so I send you. You see, when God said go to Nineveh, Jonah didn't want the Ninevites saved. He didn't want the Assyrians saved. He was mad at them. They were taking Jews captive. They were torturing Jews. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. This was a death death. Sentence as far as Jonah was concerned. He was a Jew going into a Gentile area. God must be out of his mind. It must be the chicharrones I ate and not God. <laughs> Verse 3. It's become, a, it's become a thing with us, okay? Verse 3. But, oh, that's a nasty word sometimes in the Bible. It means the exact opposite. It means a contrast as compared to what God asked him to do. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's an entire 10 week series in that one verse. Jonah says, I'm not doing it. He came up with a different plan. But Jonah, he went down, he paid the fare and he hid in the innermost part of the ship. Take a look at verse four. But, oh, now it's being used for a good sense. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now this word sent, It's the word hurled. He threw a fastball. He hurled a great windstorm. I'm sure it takes a lot to get the Lord upset. But for him to hurl a storm at Jonah, he's definitely trying to get Jonah's attention. Jonah, I gave you a direction And you're choosing not to do it. Listen again, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And have we ever had some storms in our life where, well, God is trying to get your attention? Have you ever had an opportunity in your life where you realize this storm may be from the Lord? I'll never forget, I was mad. I missed my flight. Couldn't believe it. Now, I'm going to have to fly three hours later. Couldn't believe it. And I walked up to the counter, and I was like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean the flight? Oh, no, sorry, the flight was canceled. And I walked up, and I go, what do you mean it's canceled? Well, this, this, we have some technical issues. Mr. Lowe, we're going to put you on the next flight. I don't want to go on the next flight. I want to go on this flight. So I got on that next flight by force. Isn't it amazing that the airlines can take every dime from you and simply say to you sorry, but we have no recourse. It's like sorry, that's all we get is sorry. Three hours later, now I'm sitting in a new airplane. And I sit down and this guy looks over at me and goes, Hi, how are you? Have you ever been in one of those moons you're sitting in a plane, you're like, We're not talking. Like, I'm three hours behind my schedule, okay? I have a destination to get to, and I'm three hours behind. Hey, how you doing? Hey. I'm sure my Bible fell out of my backpack at this point. And he looks at me, and he begins to go into a religious conversation. It was like God Almighty was going hello. <laughs> and what was funny is, though my flight was canceled and I missed my connection, God was giving me my main connection yeah. and he sat down right next to me. Yeah. Have you ever been a Jonah? Yeah. You see, I need to explain something about God and people. God loves people. I'm going to prove it to you. Go to Jonah chapter 4. All the way, we're going to skip the story. You know it. Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. Look look at Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. Last verse. Here we go. And should I not pity, have mercy, have grace on Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Not only does God care about the people, he cares the way the people are treating his creation, the livestock. And I need to let you know something about God. For God so loved the who? Your neighbor. That ornery neighbor that lives next to you that you feel does not deserve Jesus. And he comes out and goes, hello. And you go, eh. (laughs) Oh, you know why he put you there. And what's amazing is there were 120,000 people in the city who had no idea about God. Can I tell you something? They were even raging against God. They were enemies of God. They thought their God was stronger than the Israeli God because they were defeating, they were defying God. You know what's amazing about that? That even when nations rage against God, Take a look at his plea in Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2, why do the nations, why do the Assyrians rage against me and the people plot a vain thing? Take a look at verse 10. Now, therefore, be wise. Listen to his plea, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son or make a relationship with the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Even the nations that rage against God, God says, I'm still calling out to you. I'm still wanting a relationship with you. There were 120,000 people that God cared about in Nineveh. There is over 9 million people in L.A. County. 81 times more the amount of people in L.A. County than there was in Nineveh. And God cares not only about them, but how they treat their cats and how they treat their dogs. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I'm sure he cares about each person in LA the way that he cared about each person in Nineveh. And he says to each one of us, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Now this care for his creation, his people, goes all the way back to the garden. You remember there's Adam and Eve and they're hiding from God and they've come up with a, uh, a new Gucci brand of fig leaf figurations. And, you know, maybe uh, they, 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 I don't know, no visuals, but let's just keep going. They sin. God comes walking in the garden and here's the question. Where are you? God since the fall, has been on the search for the lost. That's why Jesus could confidently say, I have come to seek and to save the lost. From the time of the fall, his spirit has been moving in the world. Where are you? Jesus even prays. Take a look at the screen. It's John chapter 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I don't pray for these alone, but for also for those who believe in me through their word. Listen to what Jesus is praying. I'm leaving them in the world. I'm not taking them out of the world. I'm purposing and I'm praying and I'm leaving my people in the world because I have a passion for people to get saved. The question is, are we in our world going, where are you? Where are you? Where's the lost person? I need to find them. Over 9 million. In fact, the number is 9.83 million people in LA County alone. And I fear like Jonah, sometimes we run the other way when we hear Christ's prayer. But there's something profoundly different about our ministry as compared to the ministry of Jonah. I'm going to go back to John chapter 20, and now I'm going to read verse 22. Take a look at the screen. Remember, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ is in us. And the Spirit of Christ has already shown that He came to seek and to save the lost. He's the promise Jesus spoke of that would be for everyone who believes. He is the promise, the security, and the guarantee of our salvation we have the Spirit of God in us. And the Spirit of God compassionately longs to see people saved. And can I tell you something about humanity? Jesus knew we would need the Holy Spirit. He knows we're Freddy cats. He knows we are. So even with the disciples... He tells them in Luke chapter 24, verse 48. You'll see it on the screen. Luke chapter 24, verse 48. And you are witnesses of these things. He tells them, you have a job to witness. And he says, go in Jerusalem and wait for the power from on high. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he communicates to them, you shall receive power. I know you're freddy cats. I know you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and listen to God's will for our lives. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We are called to be witnesses. We're called to preach the gospel and make disciples. In fact, the entire book of Acts is concerned about the acts of the Holy Spirit in the life of the apostles being a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the beautiful thing. All we have to do is ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to accomplish the task that's been given to us. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a USC fan. Don't boo me. Stop. Okay, boo me. Thank you. I know. (laughs) Okay, let me get through the Bible study. My goodness, people just left. Let me explain this like this. I've been a USC fan since high school. I wanted to go to medical school at USC. I wanted to be a doctor and the, and the spirit of USC. I had a USC sweatshirt through college. Like I was going to go to USC and I would watch the games and I would be in sitting in my room and I you know, watch the football games and I applied to go to medical school there and I wanted to be at USC. Well, I didn't go. But when I moved to California eight years ago, I got to go to the Rose Bowl, and USC was playing. And let me tell you something. When I walked into that stadium, the spirit of USC came upon me. I don't know what happened. I wore my red USC sweatshirt. And I sat down at the beginning of that game, but that was the only moment I sat, because when the kickoff happened, I stood the rest of the game screaming and shouting, let me tell you, the spirit of USC was upon me. You see, USC was in me, but in that stadium, the spirit of USC came upon me. This overpowering, electric feeling to go crazy as I was watching my team win. And I don't know if you remember that game when USC was in the Rose Bowl, but it was in the last 45 seconds. It was electric. Electric. Can you imagine? Someone comes to church on Sunday. I led someone to Jesus. You did? Well, I didn't. And then you come back next week. I led someone to Jesus. Then I led someone to Jesus. And we're all talking about how we all led someone to Jesus. Do you realize what this auditorium would become? Electrified. You see, together with a task empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God coming upon us, he gives us the ability to accomplish the task that God has given us. We've been given the spirit of Christ and his passion electrified a hundred million thousand times more than ever that stadium could be is to seek and to save the lost. We have a task to complete and there's over nine million people to reach. Number two, I want you to write it down. We got a job to accomplish. We have a job to accomplish. Turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Now remember, the Holy Spirit of God is in us. John chapter 16. We've got a job to accomplish. I'm going to pick it up there. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he's come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness. And he will convict, I've added, of judgment. Because that's the context. John chapter 16, verse 8. It's the Spirit's job to convict the world. And let me tell you something. He's doing a great job. I don't know if you know about this, but there's a guy by the name of Yusuf. He's an Algerian. And I don't know if you know this, but it used to be illegal to be a Christian in Algeria until his dad started praying. There in a little village in Algeria, his dad started praying because he had a vision of Jesus and Jesus said to him, come to me. And he got saved because no missionary would go to Algeria. We were all afraid. So Jesus did the work that we weren't doing. And spirit of God came upon him. He got saved. And for years he bent down on his knees and he prayed. Then his wife got saved. Then his children got saved. Then his village got saved. And now in Algeria, for the first time in Islamic history, churches are legal. Let me tell you why. Because one father's father started praying and a revival broke out. He had the boldness to share with his Muslim family and friends and revival broke out in Algeria. Let me tell you about another guy. This guy, he lives in Morocco. Can't tell you his name. And he's got a business. And tourists, they come over, like me. And we get on the back of a donkey. And he takes us to these villages up in the Atlas Mountains. And there, the people, they serve us. And we walk around the village and buy little trinkets. And while we're doing all of that, he meets with the men in the men's room. And his wife meets with the women's in the women's room. And they tell stories. And one of them happens to be about a guy by the name of Jesus. Oops. And Jesus died for them. And they want to hear more about this Jesus because what they've heard about Jesus is not what they've heard about Jesus, who is our Jesus. And he has seen one person after the other get saved, and he's using Balaam's donkey to do it. Let me tell you about another guy. He's now translating the Bible into 22 languages in Iran And when I started with him 20 years ago, there were only a little over 200 cell churches in Iran. And today, almost 20 years later, there's over 800 cell churches in Iran. Let me tell you something about the gospel. You cannot, you cannot put it under a basket. The gospel is going to shine. But it's not just global. It's local. It's when I walk into a coffee shop here in our area and I see you sitting down with your Bible open, sharing the gospel with someone. I've seen it. It's when I'm at a restaurant and I look over and you look at your server and say, hey, can I pray for you? And you're praying for your server and you're giving them the gospel. I've seen it. You see, not only is it around the world that God wants to do something, no, he's giving us a direction just like he gave Jonah, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. I'll never forget. There in San Pedro, I walked into this little tienda, you know, those little corner stores that are in every part of the neighborhood, and there was one of you sharing the gospel with the clerk that was behind the cash register. God is using you because the Spirit's in you. John chapter 14, verse 17. Look what the Bible says. The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of Christ, the compassionate Christ is in you. And his job is our job. And he has a responsibility, take a look at John chapter 16, of sin, to convict the world of sin, verse 9, because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Let me explain the role of the Holy Spirit convicting the world. Now let me explain what convict means. Convict is a judicial, it's a courtroom kind of word. It means that you're going to prove the case that Jesus is right and the world's way is wrong. So the Spirit, through you, is convicting the world of sin because they don't believe in me. So because they don't believe in me, the Spirit in you has a job to preach the gospel, leading people to an understanding of the truth. The Spirit of God is in you. He's convicting the world of righteousness because Jesus has gone away. Now you get to live a righteous life so that everyone that is looking at your life, the Holy Spirit in you, one day they'll come up to you. Why are you so peaceful? Why are you always so happy? Why are you always so loving? Why are you always so joyful? I mean, be miserable just today. We get to reveal the right way to live life. Trust me, the world will look at it. Convicting the world of judgment? Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. You see, because of the power of the resurrection, let me tell you something. We've been given the authority to preach the gospel and make disciples. The enemy no longer has a weapon Death has been taken away from him. What are we so afraid of when Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered death and says, oh, death, where is your sting? We have victory over the devil. Now, let me tell you something about the devil. He comes like a roaring lion. You know when you're just about to communicate the gospel to someone and all of a sudden you just can't? You know you're supposed to. Anyone ever had that happen to him before? And, and all of a sudden, sh- Like you don't know why, but you can't. You can't even get the word Jesus out. And all of a sudden, you know you're supposed to share, but you can't because the roaring lion is going. But I want to remind you something. The Bible says he comes like a roaring lion, but he's not a roaring lion. He's a little kitty. So when you hear the, I want you to hear this. It's a lie. It's a deceit. And can I tell you something else? Only a third of heaven left. So when you feel the demonic force of you can't share the gospel, be reminded we outnumber them three to one. Not to mention you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you feel that fear, say out loud, Holy Spirit, Give me the strength now to communicate the gospel. Put the devil to shame. He's a liar. You see, that's our job because it's the Holy Spirit's job. Finally, number three, there's a work for us to do. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, our final area of scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Number three, there is a work for us to do. Look what Paul tells Timothy. And I need to remind you, Timothy was a Freddy cat. Something happened in Timothy's life where Paul has to write him a letter and say, Timothy, I need to remind you of something. Fan the flame of the gift. You remember when your mom and your grandmother prayed for you. Can I remind you that the the, uh, uh, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Come on, Timothy. I left you there for a reason. Don't shy away now from the purpose for which God has given you. Now take a look what Paul tells Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Amen. But I don't have the gift of evangelism it don't matter because paul by the power of the holy spirit writes to timothy who writes to us do the work of an evangelist now do you know when you get hired for a position there's an expectation that you'll actually do the work like for example if you're a doctor okay and you don't know how to doctor and all of a sudden someone comes into the er You were hired to be the doctor, okay? And all of a sudden, someone comes in the yard and you have no idea what to do. Guess what? You're going to be fired. Thank God for the great grace of God. Because we have been brought into a kingdom, taken from darkness to light, and God is giving us a direction. As the Father sent me, so I send you. You've got to do a job. Now, in the world... You get paid to do the work that you're being called to do. And let me tell you, the employer doesn't think that they're going to need to constantly motivate you. No, you have been hired to do the work that you've been called to do. And let me give you an example. We've got a gal on staff here. Her name is Adonis. She's not here tonight, so I can talk about her, okay? <laughs> you know, she's got the green hair. Sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's indigo, but you know who she is, Okay? Love her to death. I've known her for umpteen years. Not one day since I've hired her have I ever wondered, will she come to work? Can you believe it? Not one day since I've hired her have I ever had to say, did you get your work done? She knows her work. She makes it happen. And the cool thing is, the best thing about Donna's is is that we couldn't pay her enough. I mean... I don't even want, God bless her. Trust me, it's a sacrifice that she works at Calvary Chapel, South Bay. I don't know if you know this about Adonis. She used to be the ambassador of Disneyland. Her picture was on every page of the website of Disney 10 years ago, 15 years ago, sorry. She was Disneyland. When you came to Disneyland, you met Adonis. In fact, if you go to Disneyland with Adonis today, oh, it's Adonis oh, my goodness, you've got green hair? Let me tell you something. She doesn't work for me. She works for Jesus Christ. She knows who's hired her, and she loves her Savior, and she loves his people. Paul is making it very clear. You know who your boss is. His name is God. He's given you a job. Do the work of an evangelist. He then says, fulfill your ministry. In other words, do what you're supposed to be doing. But I need to let you know what else this means. It also means that you will be fulfilled in doing the work of an evangelist. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to remember when you led someone to the Lord. And I want you to remember when they looked up at you and said, Amen. Tell you a story. His name was Killer. That was his name. We renamed him. He was the head rebel in Africa. He was an evil guy. And I'll never forget, he walked into church while I'm giving the altar call. He comes in the back, I'm giving the altar call, the entire church goes dead silent. This guy has committed more atrocities than you could ever imagine. Everyone in church, everyone in church has had someone killed by this guy, some family member killed by this guy. So they all think that he's come on reconnaissance and now he's gonna kill everybody in the church. Now I'm giving the gospel. I see him walking down the aisle. We don't have security. Okay, there's no one coming, like Adele, who sits over here. There's no one coming, like, to come help me. I'm on my own. And I see Killer coming down the aisle. And in, out of my mouth is, and the Lord Jesus wants to save you. And my heart is, oh, God, we're all about to die. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I am terrified. <laughs> he comes forward, and I look at him, and I go, do you want Jesus? Like I'm almost in doubt. He said, yes. I said, okay, pray with me. And this is how I prayed. My eyes were wide open. I'm like, if you're going to pull a fast one on me, I'm going to watch it. Ain't no closing my eyes and bow your heads here. Everybody watch. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) It's so sad, but it's so true. he said the prayer after me, and he looked up at me after he said the prayer. It was the first time in my life I watched physical deadness come to life. It was in his eyes. They were just dark and hollow. And when I saw him, when life entered him, he was totally changed. Now, let me tell you what Isaac is doing. Today, 25 years later, Isaac is on a motorcycle with the Jesus film going from village to village seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. You know why? He got saved. He knows who he works for. He knows what he did for him. And ain't nobody going to tell him not to tell anyone. Ain't no one is going to say, you can't let me know about Jesus. He knows who he works for. Do you know who you work for? Do you know the person that has called you into the ministry and said, do the work of an evangelist? You see, I need to remind us. The church isn't a social club. We are not responsible to make sure you are happy. We are not responsible to make sure that you have a couples event to go to. Though we do them, we are not responsible for them. When I was in Liberia, if I was to say we are having a couples event, people would laugh at me. We would have to, our ministry there was survival. Survival. You need some clothes? We got some for you. It's amazing the difference of the ministries. In Iran, do you know what the ministries are there? Live. You know how, what they train you in the church? How to be interrogated. Just imagine. You came to church. Okay, now when they come, here's what we're going to do. Okay? Just imagine. And I want you to understand. Calvary Chapel, South Bay... It's not a social club to simply come and hang out. we got great friends. Hey, love you, love you, love you. We're doing the L. We're doing the I. We're doing the F. No, no, no. Calvary Chapel South Bay exists to engage our world. We're a training center, not a social club. And we are preparing strong athletes to go out into the world and engage the world. My job is to edify and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, Most of us like going to the gym because we we like to keep in shape. Maybe we're on the treadmill and do a little walk here and there or maybe go walking for the dog. But none of us like to work out. Isn't that amazing? Like, none of us like to go, okay, great, it's going to hurt again today. Like, we don't go like with, yes, I can't wait for more pain. No, we do it because there's an end result and the end result is beneficial. You guys I know some of the things that I say from the Word. It can feel like I'm a trainer. Like I am pushing you. But I know who you are in Christ. And my job is to get us there. So I need to remind you. Listen up, gang. Number one. We have a task to complete. Let the nations be glad. Number two, we have a job to accomplish. Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We have a work to be done. And that goes to each and every one of us. Do the work of an evangelist. So we get to make the decision. Do you want to be a Jonah? His plan didn't work so good for him. So I want to finish the story. When God hurled this storm, Jonah knew. So he goes to the guys, he goes, hey, throw me overboard. (laughs) If it was me, I'd be like, throw him overboard. Jonah goes, no, throw me overboard. Now, I want you to be Jonah. I don't know if you've ever been on the ocean in a storm. I have. It ain't great. One time I went to the Bahamas on my dad's uh, container ship. Seas were 14 to 16 feet. Okay, it was a nightmare. You just think you're going to die at every given moment. Now, imagine you get thrown out, and as you're out in the water, all of a sudden, from the depth, a fish large enough to swallow you is swimming around you. Then you get swallowed. Anyone ever been inside the belly of a fish? I'm sure it don't smell great. Then you get thrown up on the beach. Think of the experience of this man. He is, he is bleached by stomach acid. If I saw Jonah walking through Nineveh, I'd repent too if that was what God was going to do to me. <laughs> and then God saves Nineveh. And Jonah gets mad. I remember when Ted Bundy made a commitment to Jesus Christ the night before he died. I was living in Florida during the Ted Bundy years. James Dobson, leader of Focus on the Family, made an agreement with ABC News. I believe it was ABC. I'll let you air this if you show the entire interview because he wanted the gospel to get out. And I remember I was a teenager and I said this If Ted Bundy's in heaven I don't want to go How could God save someone like that He's just doing that It's not real Now I'm being extreme being honest in front of a congregation that I love but who is it that you don't want to see saved? Is it possibly your neighbor? Is it possibly your workmate? Well, I don't think like you, Pastor Chad. I mean, you're evil. I can't believe you thought that about Ted Bundy. <laughs> but if Jesus could save the thief on the cross. And can I remind you? Matthew's Gospel tells us that both thieves spit on Jesus. And then somewhere along the line, one of them repents. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me. He's still got the spit from the guy drizzling down his face. For God so loved even the people we don't like. That he sent his son. And now his spirit is in you. And he says, engage your world. The Father sent me, so I send you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We just pray, God, that you would use this moment in our lives. And even now, start thinking about the one that needs to hear the gospel. Lord, would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit to do what you've asked us to do? We need your strength and we need your power. So give us that grace. I want to encourage you. There'll be people up front and people in the prayer room you got someone in your heart and you just need the power of the Holy Spirit, just let someone lay hands on you and ask along with you by faith that God would give you the power and the strength to do the work of an evangelist. My prayer, my prayer is that God will use you. Let me tell you what's going to happen. When you come back with your story, how God used you to bring someone into eternity, It's like a fever. You can't wait to tell the next and the next and the next. Let's do the work of an evangelist. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.